Hi, welcome to the Fast Life with Diabetes podcast. My name is Lucy Fisher. On this podcast, we'll discuss everything related to intermittent fasting and type 1 and type 2 diabetes. We'll share tips and tricks, and we'll reveal some of the challenges that we've all faced as we go through this journey. We'll also have some fascinating guests that will share their stories. Thanks so much for joining. It's going to be a great show. Also, before we get started, I just want to remind you that I am not a doctor. Before beginning an intermittent fasting protocol or making changes to your medication, I highly recommend that you speak to your doctor. Hi everyone, thanks for joining today. I'm super excited to have Ginger Vieira back on the podcast. Ginger was last on the podcast in February of this year, and she's a prolific diabetes writer. She has type 1 diabetes. She's had it for many years. And when she was on last, we were talking about metformin and why she was using metformin. At that point, she was using it to control her dawn phenomenon and also improve her insulin sensitivity. When she was on the podcast in February, she had just started Ozempic. She was about two months in. So now she has an additional seven months under her belt. So she's about nine months in total with Ozempic. And she's had a lot of very interesting observations over this period of time that she's been on it. So I wanted to get an update from her and share it with all of you. So I think you'll find it very useful to hear what changes have gone on over time. We also talk about some other issues uh, with Ozempic, insurance coverage, the difference between Ozempic and Wegovy, Manjaro, Trulicity, and some other drugs that you've heard For me, it's kind of confusing still, but Ginger is able to explain it very well and lay it out very nicely. We also talk about lows, both with Ozempic and without Ozempic, and how to avoid overtreating lows, exercise with diabetes. We cover a variety of different topics. This is a very informative episode, so I hope you get a lot out of it. Hi, Ginger. I'm so happy to see you again. Hi, Lucy. Likewise. I thought it would make sense to have you back sort of to do a special update. Because the last time you were on, you spoke about metformin, how you're using metformin, and you just started Ozempic. And you, I think you've been on Ozempic, what, nine months now? Something like that. Yeah. Thanks, doctor. You're keeping track. Somebody's keeping track of me. Well, you know, I like to be prepared. I appreciate it. I'm I'm glad I don't feel like my doctors are keeping track of me. so. So, yeah. So if you've been on Ozempic, nine months, give or take, because you wrote an article um, with a couple other people about your experiences on Ozempic, theirs on Ozempic and Trulicity. And that was linked in the last show notes. So that was a great article. I really, I'm going to, I'll link it again, because I think it was so helpful. But I just thought that, you know, when we had, we had talked the last time you'd only been on Ozempic a couple months, you really didn't have enough time under your belt to have some real observations. Now I feel like maybe you're in it more. So you, you have some better, some more thoughts on it. Um, do you want to, do you want to just go over again? I, I, maybe you can just tell us again, what, how you manage your diabetes now, just so people have a baseline then we can talk about metformin and Ozempic and all that other stuff. Sure. Okay. Um, so I've lived with type one for 25 years. I was diagnosed at 13 years old. I did eventually go on an insulin pump for like seven years in high school and beginning of college. And then I got really um, just put off by pumps, particularly my skin hates it. And I did have a DKA, you know, it wasn't like the pump's fault. I was stringing Christmas lights 
in the middle of winter in New Hampshire and it killed the insulin. Um, I was outside for work for the movie theater I worked for and it killed all the insulin in my pump. And so almost ever since then, I have been MDI. I've had two babies MDI. I've competed in powerlifting MDI. I've been MDI for at least like 17 years now. And I now also use inhaled insulin. So I use uh, Lantus. Oh, sorry, if you can hear. That'll stop in a second. Yeah, I can hear. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> okay. Um, so I use Lantus, Novolog, and inhaled insulin, Afreza. Um, and then now I take metformin and Ozempic. And for anybody maybe who needs a refresher on why a type one would take metformin and Ozempic, there's actually six hormones in the type one's body that are dysfunctional. Insulin is obviously severely dysfunctional. Uh, that's, you know, those are the cells that our immune system is directly attacking, but there are other hormones that this area of your body produces and manages that ours mismanage. And that includes glucagon and then a bunch of um, hormones that regulate things like telling your brain that you're full while you're eating, slowing down how quickly the food in your belly digests and empties into your bloodstream. So your post-meal blood sugar spikes, right? Um, and we're always being scolded, you know, for not pre-bolusing, but we're, we're missing the hormones that help compensate for that, right? Um, so appetite, uh, insulin sensitivity, and then also these medications tell your liver to stop producing so much damn glucose. And people might not even know that their liver is producing glucose all day long. And there's certain times of day and times in your life where it might produce more. But part of why we always need basal insulin is because our brain always needs glucose. And so your liver is releasing these little bits of glucose. But if you have type one, you're releasing way more glucose than you would without type one. And that means you need way more insulin just to cover that glucose, which then means you're taking more of a hormone that stores glucose as, as fat, right? And so it makes it that much harder to manage your weight and manage your appetite and manage your insulin needs and yada, yada, yada. So there we are. Yeah, that's a, that's really important. And the insulin only uh, deals with one of those six hormones, right? Which is why you, you would think maybe like the metformin and maybe the Ozempic are also helpful in tandem with the insulin. Metformin and Ozempic help your body compensate for the other five hormones. In addition, you've been given insulin as a type one, right? Lots of it, hopefully. Um, but you haven't been given anything to address the other five hormones that your body isn't producing properly. And that's what metformin and Ozempic help your body make up for. Now, do metformin and Ozempic have different effects with respect to those five hormones, or do they kind of attack the same issues? They serve similar, they have similar results, but Ozempic is, I would say, ultra powerful. Um, and Ozempic is an injection. It lasts for a week in your body. They're not the same drugs. They're completely different drug classes, but their impact on liver glucose appetite, slowing down digestion of food are similar. The amount of impact, I would say Ozempic and Trulicity are significantly stronger. Um, a lot of people 
struggle with metformin because it causes pretty bad digestive upset for some people. And those are the people you hear about, right? I think there's a good amount of people for whom it doesn't cause digestive upset and you don't hear from them because they've just been taking it, you know? Um, I know a lot of type ones who take metformin and, you know, to clear out any misconceptions, like you don't have to be severely insulin resistant or severely overweight to take and benefit from metformin. All of us with type one are not producing proper amounts of those other five hormones and regulating those other five hormones. So the people I know who take uh, metformin are young women, you know, who are fit and um, active and into managing their health and all that and eat healthy diets. And it just helps really keep your insulin doses at a man more manageable level if you can tolerate the side effects. Yeah. Um, I, I had yeah. taken metformin for a couple months, a few months actually. And, uh, I started out at 500, then I titrated up to 1500. And then mm -hmm. those side effects at some point started really kicking in and I stopped. I was okay. just feeling terrible. Um, but I think the problem was, is that I went too high on the dosage. Probably I, I may try it again and just okay. stay at 500. Is that where you're at or do you take something more than that? No, um, I tried upping it. I'm on 1500 right now. And okay. I can't say I really noticed the difference between a thousand and 15. I take all of it at night, right before bed. And what it really does for me is it calms down dawn phenomenon um, and, and morning insulin resistance because it's kicking in like, you know, it's digesting overnight and breaking down and kicking in around the time I wake up. So it has, as long as my Lantus dose is accurate, and I sometimes have to bump it up one unit or bump it down, depending on if I'm eating more, exercising more, eating less, right? I just noticed a tiny tweak from nine to 10 units makes a big difference for me. Um, but like right now I'm at 10 units and I don't need a bolus of insulin to cover down phenomenon when I wake up, thanks to metformin. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and you've noticed that as something that's been consistent. I think for me, the changes in my blood sugars were not consistent, which was another problem, which is why ultimately I think I stopped not to mention, obviously I had the gastric side effects as well, but like, I yeah. just, I was having trouble predicting exactly that's what... why I don't take it the way they prescribe it so when I was first started taking it they want you to take it morning and night and I found that very confusing because it was impacting my insulin needs at lunch and then impacting my insulin needs at like 7 p.m and it it was too up and down and so that's why I'm taking it hours before eating a meal right because it's, I'm taking it before bed so it's um, really the biggest impact is when I'm not eating and taking insulin, uh, bolus insulin at all, which is in the morning. And you're doing extended release too, right? But it's at yes. night. Okay. Yeah. I mean, okay. you're not, I don't know anybody who should really be even considering non-extended release metformin, right? <laughs> because the digestive impact is so much more severe. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So you were taking the metformin, then you added Ozempic, uh, because, because you noticed some differences in, in how metformin wasn't as effective? I mean, metformin is one of the oldest drugs, diabetes drugs on the planet. It is like literally one of the first drugs on the planet um, for diabetes. <laughs> so um, it's just not nearly as powerful as Ozempic. And when I was able to get insurance coverage for Ozempic, it was like, I would like to try it. And I take a teeny dose of Ozempic. I take the lowest dose you can take technically of 0.25 micrograms. 
And uh, I lost like 10 pounds right away. And that was actually too much because I wasn't really on it for weight loss, but more of like my insulin needs, I felt like kept going up, even though nothing in my life had changed. And I'm very active. I get an hour of steady state cardio a day through lots of dog walking. And then I get an hour of more intense cardio and weightlifting every day. There's no reason I should be like struggling with insulin sensitivity or weight gain, right? Um, but I can gain weight, drop of a hat. Just my body type too is that, you know, weight, uh, I think endomorph. I can never keep them straight. Ecto yeah, I think I'm the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I have to be really diligent to not gain weight despite how active I am. And um, Ozempic, so I, I lost 10 pounds kind of right away. And that was really, even my husband was like, please don't lose any more weight. And that was from two things. One, it immediately made my insulin needs go way down. Um, my basal and meal boluses. And, um, and that's a, one thing to be really aware of when you're taking Ozempic is you need to immediately start adjusting your insulin doses across the board. And if you don't, you're going to have severe lows. And there was one about a month or two into taking Ozempic, there was one larger meal I ate. It was like, it was something dense, like lasagna, or I don't remember exactly. It was something that's high caloric, indulgent, digest really slowly. And I took my Novolog for it, thinking, forgetting that I was on Ozempic, I took the normal amount of insulin I would have taken pre-Ozempic for that. And I woke up with the worst, one of the worst lows I've ever really experienced. I gave myself, um, I was fully conscious, but I gave myself glucagon and it's because I took my old school insulin dose, right? Not my Ozempic insulin dose. So you need to be very conscious of fine tuning within days of starting Ozempic, your insulin doses. And then again, the longer you're on it, you know, a week later, two weeks later, you might see. So if you're starting to have frequent lows, you don't wait, you need to reduce your insulin doses, you know, with your healthcare team, if that's how you do it on your own, if that's how you do it, but do it. Um, Speaking of lows. So you obviously had that really severe low. I, you know, what's funny. You said you use glucagon. I don't think I've ever once knock on wood used glucagon in my life. That must've been pretty terrifying. Did it work right away? I mean, cause um, I mean, it, I wasn't, I wasn't terrified. I knew I wasn't going to have a seizure, but I just knew that I was really low and I didn't quite understand at the time why. And I, I ate cereal also, you know, if you want to not die from a low, like eating two bowls of cereal is nearly a guarantee. Right. And that's why we keep cereal around. <laughs> so, um, so I gave myself glucagon an injection using, um, Gvoke, uh, the, um, Gvoke hypo pen. Um, and then I had two bowls of cereal. That's how, like, I was like, I don't know what's causing this severe low, but I'm going to make sure that I'm in the 200s at least for the rest of the night. And that was the only way I felt safe to fall asleep again. Um, so I've never needed glucagon given to me. I've never been unconscious from a low, but I absolutely encourage anyone with type one to make sure you have glucagon because it's not about hypoglycemia unawareness. I feel all my lows coming it's not about that. It's not about not knowing how to prevent lows. It's about weird other circumstances, like a stomach bug. Last time I needed glucagon, I didn't have it. I was eight months pregnant and I got norovirus and I just had Christmas dinner. I had a lot of food in my belly and a lot of insulin and I puked up all the food 
And my husband at the time had to drive 90 miles an hour to the ER because I could not even keep a glucose tab down. I couldn't even eat five grams of glucose without vomiting more. I filled a bucket with vomit. Like this virus was so bad. And I didn't have glucagon because I just, like, and back then they didn't have these awesome new glucagons that we have now. Check out um, Gvoke, Vaccini is the nasal glucagon. Um, and yeah, I have Vaccini. I haven't, I haven't used it yet, but um, <laughs> I need to figure out how to use it. I carry it with me and I'm like, when I have a severe low, chances are I'm not going to be like, let me read the instruction manual and figure out how to but do it. But they're this. so easy. They're all one step. The vaccine, you just hold up to your nose and pull, you know, take the cap off and pull and it shoots into the back of your nose. The other, um, the Gvoke Hypopen and the Gvoke Prefilled Syringe, you just, the Hypopen is like an EpiPen. You just press it against your thigh and off you go. Um, so well, that's a good point. It's a good point you're bringing up because if you, if you're on something like Ozempic and it has like delayed you know, your, yeah. your gap, you're not digesting food. Right. As quickly, right. So you, that's another thing. That. Yeah. That's another thing is if you, you really, I have had lows because I took my insulin too early because of Ozempic. So I really had to learn how to delay the bigger dose of insulin and more. So I, I might take some of Freza up front and then I'll wait depending on the meal and what my blood sugar is doing on my CGM of when to take more Freza or um, my Novolog dose. And it's that it really changes the insulin dosing game. So if you're not comfortable learning and making these adjustments, you really shouldn't go on Ozempic as a type one. Um, if you're not you know, ready to keep a really close eye and adjust your insulin doses. So it changed everything, including your, your basal, your insulin sensitivity and your insulin to carb or did it not touch- yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I don't, I didn't, I need, I mean, metformin already cut my meal boluses down, but I need way less insulin with meals than I ever used to need. Okay. And that has that. So you said something that was interesting a little bit ago. You said that over time on Ozempic, you've had to change your, you've had to change your insulin settings even more. So it was like, you started it and you brought your insulin needs down and then you had to do it again later. Is that right? Definitely. Yeah. It's not a one and done adjustment. Like you'll notice the impact within, I had a friend who started it and he, I knew he was starting Ozempic on um, Sunday or something. And on Tuesday, he's texting me and saying, whoa, that's all he sent me. And I knew exactly what he meant. And it was just that his appetite felt calm because a lot of type ones might not even be aware of it, that they feel hungry all the time. And I know some type ones who say, I don't feel that. I'm like, well, good for you. But most type ones, feel hungry all the time. And um, so he was noticing that. And then he was just noticing an immediate reduction in his insulin needs. Yeah. I, I think I do feel hungry all the time. I just, you know, cause I, I think I was telling you this last time that, you know, I was diagnosed when I was 17 and then, you know, I'm actually just turned 43 today, but uh, it's birthday. <laughs> thank you. But, you know, having had diabetes this long, you kind of forget what it's like to not have diabetes. Although I do have a fading memory of it. And I do remember that I wasn't as hungry as yeah. I am with diabetes for sure. Yeah. I don't remember before and after at, at 13, but I've interviewed so many people who've been in, um, diagnosed as adults and they have, you know, decades of not being type one. And then they are diagnosed with type one. And it's like, they are overwhelmed by this constant feeling of hunger. 
And, and there's also just when insulin is present in your system and there's a lot of it, that also triggers hunger. So we have this double whammy of increasing hunger. Um, and Ozempic is just so refreshing to like, just not think about hunger so much of the day. Such a foreign concept, honestly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, with the fasting, it helps, especially if I'm doing the clean fast, I'm just drinking water. It definitely helps, but there is always like a hunger cue in the background that I'm suppressing. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so has that, has that effect? What I'm curious, really curious about is from the time you started Ozempic to now, have you noticed any changes in terms of like how you feel on it? Do you notice, do you feel any changes in like your hunger or your insulin needs or like what, what have you noticed in terms of change? Um, so I would say that the first couple months I was like, I think really definitely under eating a little bit. And I definitely wasn't, I, I normally make space in my day for dessert. Right. And I like, wasn't craving dessert. And so that is part of what I lost weight very quickly is I was eating, um, definitely fewer calories. And I don't think I was overeating in the first place. Right. I'm an athlete. I eat very real food throughout the day. I don't binge and blah, blah, blah. Right. Like, um, but that dramatic cut in calories definitely made a difference. And I will say that over time, I found that my interest in dessert has come back enough that, you know, but I still feel full way sooner because Ozempic is signaling to your brain that you're full. And that's something that type ones don't do well because we're missing the hormones that do that, which is telling your brain that you're full. So I feel full way sooner when I'm eating anything. And, um, if I don't catch that, I have felt too full in ways that I never would have on that amount of food, you know, before. Um, so it's that persists and that continues and that's helpful. And it, yeah, I don't know if that answers. Do you, do you ever override that feeling and just say, cause I do that all the time. I'm going to keep going and just keep eating, even though I know I'm oh, full. I have, I have like not intentionally, but I have overeaten on Ozempic to the point where I'm uncomfortable and I'm like, Oh, I wish I hadn't had that second muffin or whatever, you know, um, or that second piece of chicken and veggies. Like I just, it doesn't, even if it's just chicken and veggies, it's still like, Oh, I feel full. Do you feel just full or do you feel like, uh, I feel overfull. Yeah. Overfull. Okay. Yeah. 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 You feel gross. Yeah. <laughs> Like, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, years ago when Ozempic was still just being used in type two, I had to write about it for Healthline. And I interviewed this woman who um, works with a lot of type twos. She's one of the best CDEs on the planet. And she, she said, you can eat your way through Ozempic. So you can really, you know, like you might have those initial months of no appetite, but you can push that boundary if you want and gain all that weight back if you want, you know, like, you still have to put in the work. I I hate all these things out there that are like, oh, Zempic's just cheating and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you still have to make good choices and and manage yourself. Like it's it's not just some easy ride out. It helps for people who are really struggling with their appetite and insulin resistance and losing weight. It helps like push you on your way. And I think that's a really valuable tool for, I don't care what your excuse is for why you're overeating. People are complicated and, and, you know, like we're so quick to 
just shame people. Why don't you just have better habits, you know? And um, I've worked with so many people as a personal trainer and a diabetes coach and just interviewing people about their stories. And you don't know if that person was starved as a child and therefore, or um, was abused or bullied and food is their comfort or they have social anxiety and they're terrified of the gym or, you know, like you just, you don't know. And that's, those sound extreme, but they're really not. And I don't care if it's even just that you're lonely and so you overeat. If Ozempic can help you manage that better, then wonderful because you're going to improve your health overall. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, well, our society is strange that we shame people for mental illness and things like that, but yeah. And then we shame them for being fat and then we shame them for taking medication to help them lose weight. It's, it's terrible. Yeah. 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 You're right. Uh, well, hopefully as time passes and it just seems like so many people in this country need something like Ozempic for whatever reason. And plus our brains are just so wired now to crave these highly processed foods. It's really not even. Yes. There's, I mean, they're now researching, um, its impact on addiction because it's also helping people with cravings for other things. Like it's, it's a powerful medication and I wish that we wouldn't scold people for getting help, you know? So with that said, you're in the beginning, you were really just not interested in eating or you were just, you, you know, you lost weight very quickly. Do you, do you feel now that you're battling a little bit with, um, you know, are you having those internal conversations? Like, you know, I'm, I'm full, but I'm going to keep going, but, um, you know, or no. do you kind of, um, no, I mean, I definitely, this summer was on, I definitely gained five pounds this summer because, I was in one just poolside Vermont, you know, we have a million people to our house on the weekend for families coming over to swim or eating brie and crackers and the things I wouldn't normally eat all afternoon, you know, and more alcohol. I was drinking alcohol. Like so we have diabetes conferences and just drinking alcohol in the middle of the week, which I would never do. And it just strung through June and July. And I was like, oh, I have gained like a solid five pounds thanks to all these changes in habits. Um, But it's not from a, like, I want to binge eat or something, you know, like it's, it's just this gradual climbing back up. And Ozempic again, can't, you know, you have to put in the work of good habits and it helps support you in that. Uh, But I was breaking all my good habits, you know? So, yeah. But the overall feeling of that you had before the constant hunger that is still gone. No, that's, I would say that's totally still whatever. I don't know if, yeah, I'd say gone, but I mean, I'm not hungry right now. And there you go. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. And uh, in terms of like your insulin needs, and I know maybe it's hard to bifurcate out what metformin does versus what Ozempic does. Yes. Have yeah. your insulin needs changed at all over these nine months? Like, have they gone back up again at all? No, I mean, you know, all insulin needs titrate up and down a teeny bit based on whatever. Um, but nothing dramatic, nothing that's like, what the heck? The medication stopped working. It's, it could all be pointed to eating more or exercising more, or eating less, or you know what I mean? Like they, they've all been within, I'd say my Lantus dose is how I measure that. So when I'm very lean, I need about nine units of Lantus a day. Right now I'm a few pounds over that and I need 10 units of Lantus a day and I'm instilling my usual habits of eating clean all day, might have dessert at night, exercising plenty and not drinking alcohol during the week. So I'm at 10 units. If I started to mess with that, I'm going to see that I go up to 11 or 12. 
but no matter what your insulin needs from pre metformin and Ozempic are, are way down and they've yes. stayed down. Okay. Right. What stopped me to seek those medications out is because my background insulin needs kept trying to push up past 12, 13, 14, 15. And with each increase, I would then gain a pound. And I was like, what is going on? And it's just not, you know, it's just annoying and unnecessary, (laughs) you know? So you feel much more steady right now in terms of what your insulin needs are. You know that if you gain weight, you're going to need more insulin, but assuming keeping everything else equal, if you stay at your current weight, Whereas before you were going up and up and up without really changing yeah. anything. Now you feel like, all right, it's consistent. I have it figured out as long as I don't gain As long weight. as I follow my own guidelines of good habits. Yeah. And that doesn't mean perfect habits. I don't eat perfectly. Right. I want to make sure people know that like this, but eating that like 80, 20, 90, 10, kind of 80% really good choices um, and room for 10, 20% of something more fun. Yeah. Well, that's refreshing in a way. Cause a lot of times you, I mean, I've had this, I was out with a friend. She also has type one. And I was like, look at this chart, this Dexcom. It's like, did I just get diagnosed yesterday? I have no idea how to manage diabetes. Cause it was just like 250, 50, 250, you know, back up and down yeah. on the roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. And I was like, I need to just do, you know, some major fast and get my basils into a new spot. Cause obviously they're now all wrong. And all my insulin sensitivities are all wrong. And it's just like, it happened very quickly actually. And I'm just yeah. like, this is frustrating. And it takes nothing to set off a roll. I had a couple of roller coasters in the past week and it, it was just from kind of like, for me, it's usually like eating just a huge peach, for example, and thinking that I'm taking enough insulin up front. And then I check an hour later and I'm like, holy crap, I'm spiking over 200. And I, I I thought I took so much insulin to go with this peach and it just keeps going up, even though I take more Fresa, which acts very quickly. And, um, and you know, like it's, it's something like that that can just throw me off because I'm really into something I'm working on and I forget to pre-bolus my insulin, right? Or just take the right amount or I'm eating something really new and, and just totally underestimate the carbs and then I'm yeah no I know it's it's frustrating and it's just uh it's I mean it goes along with diabetes burnout and all that stuff it just it's very demoralizing so I have a new thing I think I feel I don't feel burnt out as much as I feel just apathetic right now at least this week I just feel like and I'm still doing all my effort to to stay in range right but I just feel like I don't effing care what happens. <laughs> no, I know you get that way because yeah. you, you can only care so much before you're just like yeah, done with it all. Tiring. But of course we, you know, I'd like to say, oh, I don't care. I'm apathetic, but of course I care. I'm checking my blood sugar 25 times a day. Right. Like, so it's silly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I finally just so everybody, so nobody worries about me. I finally got it figured out, but I did have to change a lot of settings. Mm. Very well, but I'm glad you're talking about that because a lot of people get frustrated when things seem wonky and they don't make any changes because they don't realize you need to make changes all the time. Like, and, and my husband loves to say, well, every seven years, the, the body resets itself. <laughs> and like, it's, I don't know where that's grounded in research, but he'll remind me you're 37 and you're coming up for a reset, you know, like, and it's like, all right. I, don't know. I think you're I'm like, 
people with diabetes need like a reset, like every seven days, it seems. Right. Yes. I mean, and he seven years, I wish he knows that too, (laughs) you know, but it's like, you, you do need to make constant adjustments. Yeah. Um, maybe one of the things that I found interesting in the article that you, uh, published about your experience with Ozempic, and then you had the three other contributors and two of them were on Trulicity, uh, and they both stopped due to nausea and, or it not really working that well. What, in your opinion, or what you know, like what's the difference between Ozempic and Trulicity and why do you think it doesn't work as well? Do you have any thoughts on that? They are the same drug class, but that, you know, bananas from Ecuador are technically the same category as bananas from Mexico. They're still going to be different. Um, I can't speak like to the chemical makeup of Trulicity versus Ozempic, but I, I there's actually three people in that article. So there's four of us total. Three of them have tried Trulicity and all of them prefer Ozempic. And it, their main um, complaint, well, they had two, which was, I think, nausea and that it just didn't work as well in terms of regulating blood sugars. It's, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I um, yeah. Is, is, uh, and do you know what the difference between like Monjaro and Wegovy is like, if somebody's like thinking about it? Sure. Yeah. Wegovy is Ozempic. Um, they're the exact same product made by the same pharmaceutical company, but they had to rename it in order for it to be prescribed to, um, people being treated for obesity, not diabetes. So that's just a health insurance thing. Um, and then Manjaro is actually a combination of a GLP one, like Ozempic, and then a glucose GIP, which I, I would be guessing right now if I tried to remember what the GIP stands for, but Manjaro is unique. Um, there isn't anything else like it. It's a glip gip is how we are saying the acronym um, when we're talking about it. And it's kind of like a double, a double whammy, if you will. Um, I would, I, I am not a doctor and I'm not your doctor, but it's definitely has the potential to be even more powerful for people really struggling with insulin resistance and weight management and appetite and weight loss and blood sugar. Um, so I think it'd be even harder to qualify for. I don't know as many people who've gotten on the Manjaro boat as the Ozempic boat, just because Manjaro is newer. Um, but if you're really struggling with obesity and insulin resistance, look into Manjaro for sure. But there, it's very similar in terms of how it's affecting the body. It's just using GLP-1 plus a whole nother drug category. And it's the first ever molecule that's combining both of these things. Wow, I'm, cur- I'm curious. About it. If, you, if you Google all about Manjaro, and it's Mount Jaro, like Mount Kilimanjaro, basically, yeah. I think is how they named it. Um, Ginger Vieira, Mount Jaro, Ginger Vieira, you'll find an article I've written that explains, kind of breaks it down. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes too. Yeah, I um, I I wonder, yeah, there's, it's, it's kind of confusing because there's so many drugs out there and I'm just thinking if you're a type one and you want to try one of these things, like what are the differences? But um, yeah, I, now in terms of, but Ozempic, you're still on that really low dose and you haven't thought about titrating up. I did try at one point, but I just, my stomach was hurting and I just felt it was unnecessary. I'm able to maintain my target weight and there's just no reason for me to push it more than that. You know what I mean? I'm not really looking. I never went on Ozempic 
to really lose weight as much as to just make it easier to maintain my weight. You know what I mean? Um, and so as long as I put in my good habits combined with the medication, it helps me be where I want to be um, across the board and trying to go up even a teeny bit. I mean, I'm a small person. I'm 120 pounds and five foot one and a half. Uh, so I have friends who are 225, six foot three dude, right? And he needs a bigger dose. Um, and I have friends who are women who are much taller than me and are struggling with much more insulin resistance or weight loss goals that are bigger. And so they have taken the bigger doses, but they had a lot of digestive upset as a result. And I just don't, I don't need to, I don't need to push it because I'm not looking to achieve the same things that they are. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think, you know, that's where I went wrong with metformin maybe is just trying to push the dosage a little bit. And I, I agree, if you push it beyond what you really need, then it's just going to yeah. cause you problems and you'll stop. And I will say I increased my metformin dosage very gradually. I was on 500, which is one pill for many months. And then I was on the next pill addition. So a thousand for many more months. And then it's only like this summer that I um, added the 1500 because metformin I have read that can kind of its impact can wane a little bit the longer you're on it. So I don't plan on going beyond that. Um, but yeah. So one of the side effects that you mentioned was like, you know, stomach upset. And I have a friend on Ozempic and she's, she struggled with issues like constipation. Are you, is that an issue that you face at all? I feel like I did have constipation at first. I just, to manage constipation, just like I did during pregnancy, I just take psyllium husk if I'm having an issue. And I don't take it regularly now because I don't feel the need, but psyllium husk capsules, you can get them at Costco. It's just corn fiber. It's just corn husk fiber. So it's a hundred percent natural. There's no other crap added to it. And, um, I needed them during pregnancy with pregnancy constipation and they're a lifesaver. Do you take it at, do you take it with a meal at night? Like, or is there no I, would take, I usually would think about it and remember to take it at night before bed. And so you wake up and you can poop easily. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. That's good to know. Now, do you see yourself? I mean, I guess at this point, you, the answer is probably yes. Seeing Ozempic as far into the future as possible. Like you're not thinking about getting an off it at any time. No, because I mean, if you're going to go on Ozempic, you should anticipate being on it for a long time because it's, your body is not going to start managing those hormones again properly on their own. So if you go off it, you're going back to where you were and there could be some rebound weight gain. Potentially there hasn't been any real research on this. I'm just speaking anecdotally. Um, but then, you know, you always have to kind of question what you hear. I don't know what, you know, when you ask someone to describe, well, are you eating clean? Are you eating well? You know, then they're eating croissants for breakfast. So, you know, like it's hard to take anybody's um, personal take on why they gained 30 pounds after quitting Ozempic. Um, but um, I intend to take this low dose for as long as it serves me. Yeah, I have my friend who's on Ozempic, she's type two, and she she takes it, you know, on the same day every week. And so I was with her and she didn't have her, her dose with her. And so she missed, she was like a few days late and taking it again. And during those days from when she should have taken it to the time that she actually did take it, 
she had like a massive increase in hunger. And I mean, I could, she, she's type two and she has extra weight that she wants to lose. So I don't know if, if you're already at a weight that you like, if you stop taking Ozempic, if you end up gaining or not, it's, I, I guess the research isn't there yet, but it seems like if you're doing it to lose weight, you're going to gain weight again if you stop. Yeah. I mean, even if you don't overeat when you go off Ozempic, you're still going to start producing way more liver glucose, right? So your insulin needs are going to go up and you're going to start storing more fat, uh, storing more glucose as body fat. So the chances of gaining at least some weight going off Ozempic are pretty likely just on that logical sense of now your liver is making more glucose again. So your insulin needs go up and there you go, you know? Um, right. Yeah. So when we spoke last time, I mean, it feels like even though it was just in February, it feels like so much has happened in terms of like all the media coverage on Ozempic and these mm-hmm. drugs and even just type one in these drugs. Like, it just seems like it's a much more natural conversation now. I'm going back to my endo in September and I'm, I'm going to ask her about Ozempic, but I mean, are you seeing you, you're, you had to fight in order to get the prescription for Ozempic, right? Are you still hearing anecdotally people having to fight or people are you hearing doctors being more open to the idea? Well, and when I say fight, I mean, I was just told a solid no when my primary care wrote the prescription. And then I went and got an endo and I didn't have an endo before because I haven't really felt the need for one. And she wrote the prescription and it got approved. So I don't know what she did differently, but she is an endocrinologist. And um, yeah, uh, it's very, you, you really cannot change your health insurance company's mind if they said no. And if you're already starting out as a relatively lean person, you're going to get pushback. So you really need to emphasize and your doctor needs to emphasize in your notes um, that you're struggling with increasing insulin resistance, constant appetite, uh, spikes after eating. So big blood sugar management issues after eating. You need to make this dramatically true, right? Um. Well, for me, it won't be hard. You can see my Dexcom and you'll be like, oh yeah, she's got those problems. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I don't know if doctors send in data anymore to health insurance companies. That's kind of what they did way back in the day when CGM data was still kind of rare. You know, I used to have to track, I used to have to, to get a CGM in the first place. I had to prick my finger a bajillion times, put it on a database and then give it to the insurance company to prove that I will test my blood sugar to, in order to get a CGM, you know, and they don't do that kind of thing as often anymore. Um, but yeah, you really have to document that you need it and your doctor needs to be on board for writing it so that it conveys to your health insurance company that you need it. Yeah. I'm going to, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go through this process myself. I'm, you know, as type ones and you have other autoimmune issues. So I'm sure you're used to fighting this fight with any other medications you're on, but it's just, you know, I feel like I'm a professional, uh, advocate for myself because it's yeah, always it's like, actually, yeah. I mean, it sucks being in that position because then I also feel obnoxious and doctors do not like being told what's what. Right. So, um, yeah, it sucks. It's a lot of work. Right. And insurance companies, their first response is no, because they don't want to have to pay for it. So, yeah, right. And there is more pushback because insurance companies, no more type ones are requesting it. Um, So let me know how it goes. 
Yes, I will. I'll definitely do that. Um, so I guess at this point, I mean, is there anything else you wanted to say about your experience with Ozempic to date? Did I miss uh, anything? No, no. I mean, I just, if you're considering Ozempic, not you, I know you're already doing all this and probably people listening to your podcast are working on health habits, but I would just really encourage you to also incorporate um, healthy habits and really looking at your current habits if you haven't done so, because that's how you're going to get the most out of it. And if for some reason you have to go off it, that's how you're going to manage any rebound effects of going off of it. You know, it's really taking care of those habits and paying close attention to how much you're eating and all that. Right, right. I actually remembered one other question I wanted to ask you, which I, um, which is an important one. So you take your injection on a certain day of the week. Ozempic has a peak, right? There's like a couple days later that I noticed personally that, um, so I take mine on Sunday and I noticed that on Wednesday, I am the most sensitive to insulin. And that has been since you started to now you've noticed it's that effect. Still, it still happens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's important to know because those lows, you know, if you're not expecting them that can confuse you. Right. If you're starting a new medication like that. Okay. Yeah. And are when you treat your lows, are you just doing, do you treat with less um, glucose than you did previously before these medications? Um, I've always been a very big advocate of treating with very little glucose. Um, and a Frezza also allows me to treat with very little glucose. And when I mean very little, I say like, so right now I'm using Mike and I, cause I got this huge bulk bag. I got it for my kids, but they've like already gotten sick of them. Um, but Mike and Ike's are like, they're basically a jelly bean. So I can treat a low, like three or four Mike and Ike's, right? Like three or four individual Mike and Ike's. And if it's a Frezza, I know that's definitely enough. In some cases it might be too much because the Frezza is in and out of your system so fast. Um, if it's a Ozempic low, you know, I might work my way up to 10 Mike and Ike's, but usually I'll regret it because I'll end up going high because the food is going to digest eventually, you know, it's just slow because of Ozempic. So you're brave. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you definitely have to be thoughtful and think about the variables and, and dose conservatively as you get to know your body with Ozempic. Okay. That's a very good tip. And I was going to say you're brave to treat Lowe's with something. I assume you like Mike and Ike's, right? Sure. Not really. I don't eat. I don't just don't even care. Like it's, it's medicine yeah. to me. Yeah. Cause I used to treat with jelly beans and I actually like jelly beans. And then I um, end up eating the whole bag. So I'm like, this you is know, a stupid idea. I learned I can't during pregnancy. Um, the pregnancy is a great motivation to not over treat Lowe's because you work so hard to try to stay around a hundred all the time. And so over treating a low just, and that is when I really learned like, this is medicine and I don't, you know, my connects are delicious, but it's, that's not what I'm eating it for. And I, so I wrote a whole book on this. It's actually a 30 page workbook called emotional eating with diabetes. And a big part of it is about treating lows. I also have an article on how to stop over treating lows. I think that's the title five tips to stop over treating lows. And it really is like, it's, um, little rules that you create within yourself of what you will and will not do. And then some extra habits. Like if I'm having a lower, I really am craving more food an ice cold glass of water really helps calm down that part of my brain or chewing on carrots and just that noshing feeling for my jaw makes me, makes that part of my brain calm down. 
Um, and so anyway, another article to read. <laughs> Those are good tips. And speaking of things you've written, your book, when we talked last time, it hadn't come out yet, but your book oh, on yeah. diet or an exercise and diabetes is out, right? Yes, it is. Exercise with type one diabetes is on Amazon in English and Spanish across the globe. You need to definitely go to your country's Amazon. I've had people say, I can't find it. And like, because you're looking at the US Amazon website, you got to go to your country. Um, but this is a hundred page book. It boils down the absolute nuts and bolts of insulin management during aerobic and anaerobic exercise. And I wrote it because so many people ask me all the time why this happened when they did this. And I, you can only write so many articles on exercise with type one because you can't fit it all in an article, right? So I put as concisely as possible what you need to know in this book. What a great resource to have, especially if you're new. And even if you're not new, it, it takes a lot even of time if to you're figure not this new, out. Honestly, yeah. I mean, the things I hear people say who've had type one for 40 years, it's very hard to convince them that there might be something more to learn, right? because they've spent so many decades doing it with what they know. And, but so many of those decades, we didn't know what we know now. <laughs> so even if you've had type one for a long time, I bet there's something in there for you. Yeah. I'm actually horrified to think back. Like when I first got diabetes, I used to be a cross country runner and I was super athletic, but I would, I would actually eat like a full banana, maybe sometimes two before I went out on a run and then I would wonder, I'd come back and my blood sugar would be like 300, 400. I'm like, why, what is going on here? Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. People definitely need to read that if, if you have diabetes and you exercise, because there's a, a right way and a wrong way to go about it for sure. Yes. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you're working on that you want to tell me about or, or anything oh, I've missed? Man. No, getting ready for my kids to go back to school. That's all I can wrap my brain around at the moment. Well, you've had a very busy year. You've had a very prolific year in terms of your writing. So you deserve a little break. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much uh, for speaking with me again today. The updates on your Ozempic journey have been very, very helpful. And I know the listeners are going to get a lot out of this. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please email me at fastlifewithdiabetes at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.